Discord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. He jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got it. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies to Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We'll get to reschedule soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Nate, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's time for the Eastern time, the only premium time zone. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate, brought to you by CampusK.com. Matt Bruning, Austin Nace are here. Chris Moxley is not, is out on a handcrafted, hand-spun, an all-natural white meat version of tonight's show. We talk to Noah Hills about the 2023 running back class, and we play Can You Name That Recruit? But we start with Alan True from 24-7 Sports. Alan covers recruiting for the uh, in the Midwest for 24-7. He also covers University of Michigan recruiting for the Detroit News. You can find him at Alan True on Twitter. Uh, Alan, before we start talking to you about recruits, you've been covering the draft or recruiting for a very long time, uh, having started in high school for our audience that aren't familiar with your background. Can you please just tell them how you came about, you know, getting started so young? Yeah, we had to learn HTML in eighth grade. Everybody had to build a website and, uh, I built a draft scouting website on GeoCities. <laughs> that was back when there weren't a ton of draft sites. There were only a handful, so I, it got seen. And then I thought a couple of years later, I kept it going, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to apply for an NFL Combine credential. And again, back then, it wasn't covered as much, so I got credentialed as a teenager. Got driven down to Indianapolis by my mom, went back for a couple of years after I could drive myself, and then eventually... Um, found my way to scout.com, which is what ended up merging now with 24-7. And they transitioned me over to recruiting. I started getting a little bit interested in recruiting. You know, I played a little bit in high school, played against some guys that ended up getting recruited. So I had kind of a, a, a line into some guys in West Michigan that were getting recruited. And this area wasn't getting a ton of coverage. And so transitioned over to recruiting. And then uh, I guess the rest is history. I'm still a draft guy at heart, but doing been doing recruiting for about 15 years now. There was a point in your high school where you were skipping class to to take calls. I mean, it, and to, to take, excuse me, to do radio hits. Isn't that right? I did ESPN radio. Uh, I can't remember what year. It was either my ninth or 10th grade year, and I did have to skip out of homeroom in order to stay home and do an ESPN radio call. <laughs> that is that is correct. How are you not the, were you the coolest kid in school? <laughs> no, uh, I, can't, I can't come to science today. I got to go hop on ESPN radio. I, was gonna say, this, this, I don't know if this will surprise you at all or not, but back then it wasn't like NFL draft analysis was pulling in the chicks or, you know. <laughs> That wasn't exactly what was driving the social circles at that time. 
All right, Alan, we, we're having you on because um, we've been having this debate internally about UCLA commit Dante Moore. UCLA enrollee, I should say, Dante Moore. I'm guessing that there's no one probably, you know, anywhere in recruiting or uh, even coaches who are evaluating him who has seen Dante Moore in person. You're in Michigan. Dante Moore went to Detroit King there in Michigan. Is Dante Moore special? And if so, why? Yeah, so I did I did see him at a middle school camp in Chicago and saw him the almost I think the first seven on seven tournament he played with Detroit King when he still hadn't even won the job. I mean he's an eighth grader. And then I saw the very first varsity game he played in. So I have seen him a lot. To me, uh he I mean he's definitely special. He's as ready of a quarterback prospect as I've seen coming out of high school. And this is with the caveat that guys like Trevor Lawrence and Bryce Young, et cetera, weren't in my region. But as far as up in the northern states in the Midwest, I haven't had a guy. I, I've had other talented quarterbacks. I've not seen one that's as polished and as ready as Dante Moore. And, and you know, like these guys, these kids are so scrutinized when they get these stars next to their name. Everybody is ready to hate on them. I, I can name all everybody who was hating on every top recruit from the state of Michigan or the Midwest in the last 15 years. I have emails and receipts. I don't know that anybody has poked any holes in Dante Moore's game around here. He's like universally acknowledged as this guy's the real deal inside the state. And I think he, if you watch the all American bowl in that setting, you saw glimpses of why, I mean, he throws guys open. It's not like he's just cannon foddering big throws down the field. I mean, this guy is making throws into windows and making reads and doing things that, I haven't seen other quarterbacks do at his age. And, and, and that was immediately his freshman year when the Detroit King coaches said, Hey, I think we might have something special here. Their, their comment to me at the time was what he's doing when we play these suburban teams, the Catholic centrals of the world, what he's doing against those teams when they try to run zone, he's, he's reading them and he's throwing into windows and he's anticipating things as a freshman. We haven't seen this before. And, and I think that that continued to progress. And that's why I think, in a world where we tend to misevaluate traits, we tend to misevaluate guys who can throw the ball through, through walls but can't do anything else. This guy has a lot of the intangibles and the positional skills that you can miss from time to time. I think we've uniformly given him credit for that. These things that you're talking about really go to his football IQ and his um, ability to win the game with his mind. But you also think that he's not given enough credit for his physical ability. Just speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he was known as this, you know, polished, consistent, accurate. And so along the way, and especially because he was getting compared to guys like Nico Lamaleva and Malachi Nelson and guys who had super arm talent, it became like, well, Dante Moore is not as traitsy as those guys. Well, just because he's not maybe as traitsy as some of those guys doesn't mean that he lacks in the physical department. And so I think he's now become underrated in terms of like, if you watch him throw the football, he can really spin the football and he's got the arm to make all the throws. He just knows when to take something off of it, put some touch on it. He's a better athlete too, than I think he's given credit for. And I think he took that criticism to heart. He worked out at uh, this gym called the cave in Detroit, and they really helped him transform his body. And when he, he needs to run, you see glimpses of it. He's never going to be, you know, a true dual threat kind of guy, but he can move well enough. He knows how to navigate the pocket. And so I think he, uh, I, I think it's become one of those things where, you know, his intangibles and in that part of his game are so good that people now sleep a little bit on his physical traits. You spoke, you spoke to his, you know, ability to navigate the pocket. He's not a true dual threat, obviously at UCLA, we know Chip Kelly has had uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Marcus Mariota. Dante does not fit the same mold as those two. Um, that being said, I agree with you. Regard If I had to bet on a quarterback in this class starting a game tomorrow and being competent, like without having practiced, out of the kind of the big four in this class, I would pick Dante Moore to be competent. <laughs> So I'm wondering what you think. We're having this debate internally, and Austin, you can speak to it. Do you think that he can start as a freshman uh, 
in uh, on day one. You got Colin Slee there. Colin Slee has G five experience. Obviously, he's played big time uh, college football, but they're both um, new to the school, new to the system. It's not like Colin Slee has had extensive time with the playbook. And I personally think that there's a chance that he comes out of fall camp, maybe not spring, but fall camp as the starter. So I'll say this too. That was the situation he was in at Detroit King. When I saw him play seven on seven, he was an eighth grader up on the varsity. There was a senior that he was competing with. And they were saying, obviously we're not going to hand the job to this middle schooler. He's going to have to earn it. And then lo lo and behold, Game one at Wayne State in a kickoff classic against the perennial power Catholic Central. He's out there starting and, you know, bringing them back in that game. They fell short and then goes on to bring them to the state title game that year. I've never seen him look uncomfortable. So can start day one? Absolutely. I think he's as ready as anybody in this class. And will he? That's a different question um, because I do think, if things had held the way they were and Dante ended up at Oregon, you'd feel pretty good about Colin Schley as the starter at UCLA, right? He's no slouch. And so I don't want to say that Dante's just going to walk in and win that job immediately. I do think by the end of the year, Dante Moore will have started a few games. I don't know if that will be day one, though. Austin, do you want to defend your position that you see him sitting this year? No, because I think my answer is the same as what Alan just said. Can't I agree with you that I think he's the most ready guy, but I don't I, I think Colin Schley is better than you think he is, Felix. I think he's a decent power five quarterback. I think he'll go there. I think he actually fits even Chip Kelly's system a little bit better too. Like he is he is more mobile than Dante Moore. Um, I you know, I don't know if he has a, a better arm or anything like that, but I just think, you know, kind of an RPO heavy skill scheme probably what they'll run with, with those two guys there. I think Schlee is familiar with it and I think he's the, the better athlete. So I think, you know, that gives him a leg up this year, but I don't think Dante is going there to sit more than one year. And in fairness to like Chip Kelly and these guys, like Dante kind of fell in their lap, right? Like they, I don't think they were anticipating six months ago having Dante Moore walking in the door. And so that kind of changes plans when you can get, when you can get him in there. So, so Oregon's loss was, was their gain, but I, I mean, I, I think it's Schley day one. I, I, it's it's tough to ask a freshman, especially at a big school like that. Like Trevor Lawrence didn't do it, you know. I mean, some of these other I I, I can't think. There of was an incumbent not. there. There was a, that. That's my my been my point. There was an incumbent there at Clemson who had started mm-hmm. games. It's not the same thing uh, at UCLA. That's just kind of been the the you know the the basis for my point that he can start from get from day one is that they're all starting together. Uh, so they're all taking reps for the first time together uh, and that sort of thing. Alan, um, I think if we looked at 24-7's rankings, we would understand that you guys think that this quarterback class is special overall, at least the top, again, the top, Nico Yamalieva, uh, I would put Jackson Arnold there, Dante Moore, Arch Manning, and Malachi, Malachi Nelson. Um, is it? Is it? Am I reading that correctly? That you guys think that this class has a uh, a lot of potential? Yes, we thought it was pretty top heavy. Um, I think there did reach a certain point where we thought other years were a little bit deeper. There weren't maybe as many guys dancing around that low four, high three star range that we were kind of like. Every year, there's a few high three stars that you got to draw the line somewhere, and you get nervous of the guys you leave out. I think we felt like. this class was a little bit more top heavy than some of the other years. There are still some guys in that range that we, that we like, but um, that group at the top is pretty special and they're all very different, which I think made it really hard at the end to separate them. We talked about Dante Moore being ready. I mean, I think the second most ready guy in the class is Jackson Arnold, but he's the, he's, he's probably the least physically impressive of that group, but watched him at the Under Armour game. I mean, I don't know if that guy missed the throw even in practice all week. He's thrown a lot of footballs in high school. Um, and then you've got the traits of your guys. And then you've obviously got Arch Manning, who I think is, is, you know, he's for me a little bit of an enigma because I went to some national events. He was never at them. So I, I personally have seen him the least out of our staff. I'm trusting what they say, but it made for some very interesting debates because it was a very um, kind of, you know, whatever you happen to like and a value in a quarterback prospect, 
there's probably that guy for you and whatever the next guy values, there's probably a quarterback prospect for him. And so it was just a matter of what do you prefer in some of these guys? Alan, uh, I know that you are a, you, you do recruiting for Michigan Felix mentioned. Um, so you guys got Cole Cabana who I am a big fan of. Some people are not because they talk about how he's a little bit undersized, explosive playmaker. What do you think his upside is in going to Michigan? Do you think that he pairs well with Benjamin Hall, the, the other running back that Michigan got in this recruiting cycle? Yeah, I do think, first of all, that they complement each other very well. And that was by design. I think the plan was always to, you know, find your power back, your, I think they're your Hassan Haskins, so to speak. And then a guy that's a little bit uh, more dynamic at space. And that's Cole Cabana. Now, Cole is a guy who has, you know, he looks physically a lot different today than he did when Michigan started recruiting him. He, at, he has added some weight. And I would challenge some of those who say that he's maybe on the slider side or he's just a speed guy to actually watch some of what he did at the end of the year. Um, Dexter, his, high school got deep into the playoffs and they played in several games at the end of the year where the snow, the field is covered. It's snow is completely white. Um, it's, it's playoff football. It's in Michigan. It's mucky. It's cold. And he was still effective in those games. And to me, those games spoke a lot to what he can do in college because he's kind of known as this gazelle. And I thought that he showed some real grit and some toughness and some ability to grind out yardage when he couldn't just house it every play. And I thought that that spoke really well to his future and maybe quieted some of those doubts about is he, can he be in every down back or can he be a between the tackles guy? All right, Alan, I think it's been, I think it's been almost three years since we had you on for the first time. And uh, during that show, we asked you to give us a recommendation for a lesser, lesser heralded guy. Do you remember who you said? He said Baron Morton. Baron Morton, who, you know, is widely re regarded to be um, in consideration to, to start for Zach Kitley's offense this year. And since Zach Kitley came from Western Kentucky with Bailey Zappi uh, in our in our game in campus to Canton leagues, that position is always very valuable. Do you got some recommendations for us this year? Some guys that we should be paying attention to? Yeah, so I um... – now have followed the community a lot more and i'm first of all amazed at how deep the research goes and how much uh the community don't knows about recruiting so i feel like if it was today i wouldn't even say baron morning because somebody would know like you guys would know him already so i'm like i have to get on my game and go like really deep here so i'm gonna throw you a few i would look at purdue's class they signed a kid named armad branch late in that class they're kind of unsure what he's going to do he might play corner might play wide receiver. We made him a four-star when he didn't have a single offer to speak of going into mid-January. And, and the kid is a freak of an athlete. I mean, you look at his triple jump, long jump, high jump. He's dunking basketballs at 6'1". If that kid, if they, if they end up keeping him on the offensive side of the ball, I think there's a great shot that he ends up playing in the pros. They have a tight end named George Burhen as well that um, I think is, is a special athlete and I think will – will be a really, really good player for them and probably a next level guy. Um, Darius Taylor at Minnesota, I think is like a sure bet to be a productive guy in college. I mean, they're counting on him to play this year. I think they're counting on him as their back of the future. You know, I'm a little bit unsure about, you know, beyond college, what his NFL upside exactly is, but I think he's going to roll up a lot of yards at Minnesota and certainly will, I think has a good chance to find his way uh, into the league. Iowa uh, signed a tight end late named Grant Leeper, who's a gray shirt. He, he was a basketball player that didn't play football till this year, but he's like 6'6", almost 6'7". Great basketball player, and you have to trust the Iowa uh, tight end evaluation and their lineage a little bit. So that kid flew under the radar because he wasn't, he wasn't a football player until this year. Um, going a little bit deeper, there's a kid that I'm not sure many people know about that signed with Kent State named Jared Kelly. That name ring a bell to anybody on this call. So this dude had 2,434 all-purpose yards as a senior only. He ran a 10.84 in the 100-meter dash. And for some reason, I don't even know why, just fell under the radar. But when you see a guy with that kind of speed, that kind of production, Kent State always seems to find some of these dudes to these kind of multi-positional all-purpose guys. 
uh, he's one of my favorite like max sleepers. Like it's hard to even like he's a sleeper within the group of sleepers. I think he's he's got a chance to be really good. Lamar Sperling going to Buffalo, roll up a bunch of yards. I think he's going to have a good career. And then there was a, a kid that signed with Old Dominion named Aquan Dunbar from the Kansas City area. He's a 6'5", 220-pound wide receiver that dealt with some injuries and another guy who was just under the radar. Uh, but his film is is really, really good. He's got size. And uh, I think he's got a chance to be really Aquan Dunbar. That's another one. So Jared Kelly and Aquan Dunbar are probably my two like deep, deep, deep sleepers that uh, even probably the recruiting community doesn't know a ton about. I love it. Uh, we we look for like those athletic guys. So Branch was a guy that popped a lot for our group. Like we we've quickly become interested in him, especially when you guys out of nowhere just like handed this kid four stars. I mean, that's not that common either, right? Yeah, no, uh, but we were we were kind of blown away as well by the athleticism and the multi-sport background and and, and the things he did on in the track and then on in basketball, and um, that story usually turns out pretty well when you've got those numbers at the high school level. We were maybe like a tad disappointed when we heard that he might be a DB, although I can certainly see why you'd be tempted to do that. Um, but I think if he stays on offense, that's an that's an explosive athlete right there. Austin, do you know if he's in the uh, in the dunk contest video that we posted? Is he in that I, video? I don't think so because we didn't like. Uh, he, I think he came to our attention once he got the fourth star, and Matt plugged in his athletic numbers and was like, "Holy crap!" Because we, we gotcha. Cordell Russell's a, a guy that we're very very high on just because of the the basketball background and the you know he's got a very good on field tra- uh, speed times and so Branch kind of fit that mold too. Branch, I think, was a I found out later was a late to football guy also. Um, and so that's, I would think last his junior year was maybe his first year of playing high school football for sure. I don't know about if he had played youth ball or something. It was definitely his first year of high school football. And so that explains a little bit and, you know, Festus, Missouri, that's not, it wasn't like he was at this school that was getting recruited all the time. But, uh, I think that's a, that's a heck of a find by Purdue there. We, we've been, we've, we've been kind of saying that this class seems like it's very wide receiver quarterback heavy for like fantasy perspective purposes and it's kind of weaker at running back does that seem to kind of be the consensus with you guys too or at least not a lot of running backs that are big like last year like last year's class seemed very deep with guys that were already 210 plus yeah i i do think that it's and and this is true of my states as well it was not a great running back year that's why i think you saw some of the schools up here if you look at the big 10 schools especially a lot of them went out of region for running backs, a lot of portal action at running back too. So I think that put, but that, that's where I think like some guys got pushed into the Mac that are going to be pretty good. Lamar Sperling's a good example. You know, he popped a Kentucky offer late I, and, and the kid going to Miami, Ohio uh, name escapes. You think it was like Janarius Jackson. He popped an Iowa offer late, stuck with Miami, Ohio. I think you saw some power five schools kind of scramble late and try to pull some of those G five running backs just because it wasn't a great year nationally. And those guys that stuck with those G5 schools, I think they're going to end up being really good. Austin mentioned uh, Cordell Russell. He's headed to TCU. He's a wide receiver, uh, 6'2", 200 pounds. And as uh, Allen and Austin mentioned, a four-star according to uh, 24-7. All right, uh, Allen, before we get you out of here, we want to play this game with you. All right, we want to put you and Bax the drink. Is he ready? He's determined. We want to play the game. Name that recruit. Go ahead, Matt. No, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. You're right. All right. So here, you and Matt are going to be the contestants. The contestants. I'm going to actually give you the name of the recruit. So that's probably a, a name. The recruit is probably a poor name for the game. Um, but you will both get one point for giving us that player's position and where they have committed. Is that fair, gentlemen? Is that fair? Sounds like a plan. Sounds fun. Okay, um, Austin, I, I need you to judge uh, uh, this thing and, and keep track of the score. Okay. Yeah. How, how uh, you know? I'll decide how points are are divvied. Yeah. Here. You guys. Yeah. Can go you right can. Ahead. You can decide. You can decide. And listen, Alan, I know that you're Mister Twenty Four Seven Sports, and you, but don't take any shame if you if you can't win this thing. Okay. Don't. You know, we dive into recruiting too. Okay. It would be a little embarrassing, but if I listen, if I lose, 
if I lose right here on this show live tonight, I will show you my phone. I will buy a subscription to On3 um, right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we, we're trying to get in touch with uh, uh, Shannon Terry anyway. So, um, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, what, no, I think that's it. All right, Alan, I'm going to come to you first. All right, ready? So, remember, you got to give me. The position that that recruit plays and where they are uh, going to school. Alan, Dante Moore. Mm, starting me tough. I'm going to say he's a quarterback and he signed with UCLA. You know what? Uh, that probably was a little just just a little too easy to, to start off. But let's let's see how uh, how Matt does. We should have some game show music for uh, this. We need to get our production value up. Okay, Matt, you ready? Uh, this is round go. one. This is round one. Matt Jefferson Adam. Uh, running FIU. Is, is that a guess? Uh, That's a guess. That's a guess. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, he's an edge Iowa State. All right, Matthew, I need you to take this more seriously. Matthew, you're trying to represent for the brand. I need you to take this a little more seriously. All right, I didn't know we were go. going Here defense. We go. That's my bad. I, I ruled those guys yeah, out. Yeah. We'll, we'll You've got to be right. Right. I it was an edge if you had known that, yeah. I know. I know. Right. That's, that's my right. bad. This, this is very obvious here. Well, I think he's, he's actually – Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, great. He's from Ypsilanti, so I, so. Right I was now, really hoping Ypsilanti. Alan wasn't going to know that either, but that that makes it even better that he knows exactly who that is. So. All right, you know, let's let's clean slate, clean slate. That's round one, round two here. Uh, Alan uh, Arch Manning. Ooh. I only know this one because I found his ID. Uh, he's a <laughs> quarterback at Texas. Austin. Survey says Texas. Okay. All right. All right. Let's give Matt his. Matt, you ready? I think so. All right, Matt. Ikani Tuiono. Oh, geez, really? Um, we're going to go with linebacker. Going to – no, you're shaking your head, so I'm going to change the defensive back really quick. That's what I really meant to say. Defensive back going to uh, – I don't know, Cal. We'll go with Cal. Matt, Matt, no, that's incorrect. Guard, New Mexico. Okay, I was close, uh, right? Was close. Right, Austin, what's what's the score after two rounds here? So Allen has five points. I gave him a bonus because he got Ypsilanti there. So obviously that 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 was worth. And and then Matt, unfortunately, has zero. But Matt is a late game guy, so I have. Yes, this is true. This is true. This is true. He's embarrassing us right now. Um, all right, Alan, let, here, we're gonna we're gonna get these a little bit more difficult here. Uh, Alan Cedric Baxter. Cedric Baxter. Let's see. You know, from his uh, his running back days, he does a little bit better of a job holding on to his ID than Arch. He's got the five points of pressure on his ID card, but he's also at Texas. All right, I think that's Austin. Is that right? Uh, that's what we've got. That's all we got. Okay. All right, Matt. We'll give you. Matt's just getting. He's just getting. These are these are completely. This is completely random. Uh, completely random. All right, Matthew. Get it together now. All right. I need you to concentrate. All right. I'm ready to go. Here we go. Genesis Smith. (sighs) Can I get a hint? No. You know what? I want a hint. I want a hint. I don't want a hint. I don't want. You got it. You got this, man. Come on. Let's go. You got this. Wide receiver. Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech. Okay. Uh, Matthew, you are not taking this seriously. He's a Genesis. DB from Cal. No, I'm just kidding. I would have been it's safety going to, to Arizona. So very, so very close. Very close. All right. Uh, Alan, we got two more here for you, Alan. Matthew, gather yourself. All right. Okay. Wait, Austin, what's the score? What's the score? Um, right now, I've got seven for Allen and, unfortunately, a goose egg for Matt. But, again, second-half guy, so I, I've got I've got faith here. All right. Uh, Matthew, come on, man. You're representing for C2C. All right, here we go, Allen. We've got two more. All right, you ready? 
Ready. Nico, Nico Iamalieva. I think I read a story about this guy in NIL, so I'm trying to remember what it said he was in there. I think it was a quarterback at Tennessee. Austin? Let's see here. Quarterback, uh, Tennessee. We got it. All right. Super All right. Okay. Yeah. You're really good we'll at this. Give. Just so you know. He, he is. He is smoking you. Uh, I keep playing with my microphone. Uh, Matt? We'll give you double points if you get this one right. Okay. Okay. All I feel right. like that's not going to happen. But let's let's but, go with it. I mean, it might. It's if you just concentrate here. Rohan Fluellen. Oh my god. <sighs> Tackle. Okay, uh, Matthew. Come on, Matthew. Linebacker. Matthew, these are not I, I don't Matthew. Know. We're tossing you softballs here. Rohan Ellen, cornerback TCU. You know what? We're gonna do this like yeah, the three point. The old backyard too, and I, I, I did not exactly. Know. I'm I'm trying to give this to you, Matthew. All right, we got one more here. This is like the 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 money ball shot, the last shot on the three point rack. This is for all for everything. Um, all right, Alan. Here we go. Zachariah Branch. Got lucky here that he was in the Under Armour game and I was down there. So wide receiver, USC. I think that's Austin. I think that's right. We got it. It cleans. All right. You know what, Matthew? You still have this is the game right here. This is the game right here. You you still have you still have a chance here. Okay. Okay. Um. This is the game. All right. Here we go. Tyler Black. You got this. Wide receiver. No. Quarterback. Running back. We're going to go with, we're going to stick with wide receivers. That's what I said first. Virginia. I feel like You're close on the school. Relatively close. Uh, Tyler Black, kicker, Wake Forest. Uh, so, uh, half a point. You almost, I hear you half almost. Yeah, right, right conference. I'll give you half a point. There. <laughs> right conference, right we're conference. coming back. We're coming back. Uh, you can find Alan at Alan True on Twitter for all of his uh, recruiting articles, information, everything you need. Alan, we appreciate you joining us today. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Alan. Later, Alan. Uh, Matt, I think you're with me that Dante Moore starts sooner rather than later. Is that fair? I mean, we didn't really tie a bow on that conversation, yes. but you're with me on that point, right? Yeah, I mean, I get – the hesitation, you know, I, Nate, I can't remember if it was an article or he posted something on Twitter about that recently, right? Like we just have not seen a lot of freshman quarterbacks start, especially over the past couple seasons. But where I do kind of agree with you is they went and got Colin Schley before, as Austin mentioned, Dante Moore fell in their lap. And I don't think you go get a guy like Dante Moore, even though I know it, it's kind of become a thing where these guys sit for a year. I still don't think you go get a guy like Dante Moore at a school like UCLA doesn't have a Caleb Williams or someone like that ahead of him and just expect him to sit for an entire year. I do think Colin Schley likely starts the first game. I do think that is asking a lot to throw Dante Moore out there. I think we see him before like week five or six though. I, I think Dante just, he's, I think he is that good. Everything Alan just mentioned. I mean, he's right there for us. I believe is consensus QB two at this point going in where we'll be finalizing our guide here and our rankings here very soon. I believe in like 11 days. So, or nine days. So we'll have that all solidified. I would not be surprised if he starts more games for UCLA this year than Colin Schley does. Like, I, I just think he's that talented and is going to, he's the future for UCLA. And I think Chip Kelly wants to win now. And that's why they push so hard to get him. Here's the scenario that the, the, Unless Schley is just like an abject failure, which is like, yeah, I mean, it's possible. I I, I doubt it. I, I, I It could be possible. The scenario that I see that I think is close to what you were just talking about, Matt, is here's how UCLA starts off the season. They have Coastal Carolina at San Diego State, NC Central, but then they have Utah before a bye week. And if they go out and look really bad offensively against Utah and lose that game, I could that, that could be a potential point where maybe you consider it. But on the other hand, when they come back from the bye, then they've got Washington State, Oregon State, 
um, Stanford, Colorado, and then they really, you know, Arizona, USC, Cal, like they get into kind of a, a tougher part of the schedule there. So uh, if it's going to happen early, I think it's got to happen on that bye week at the very end of, of September there. Otherwise, I, I don't know that we see him uh, particularly early. I mean, my thing is, I get that he's played Matt competition and, and why I kind of lean with Felix. And I know he didn't play the whole season, right? He missed like multiple games because of injury. Yeah, he got I know injured. he missed. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. So I know he missed like the, I think it was like the last two games for sure. I'm pretty sure. I know he wasn't in for us championship week because I was trying to figure out who to play in that week because I knew he was going to be out. It's not like he lit it up in the Mac either in an offense that we know has produced at least fantasy studs for us and put up stats. Like I, I'm trying to pull it up. He passed for 2,109 yards with a 59% completion percentage. It's not like we're talking about a guy who just, again, against the Mac. And that's like with, a relatively, with a good wide receiver core too. Exactly. A good offense too. Marquez Cooper, a pretty good offensive line for Mac competition. Like, they're a team in the MAC that should, I don't, I don't want to say dominate, but play very well. It's not like he went out there and threw for 4,000 yards, close to 65, 70% completion percentage. It was just dominating in the MAC and is now taking a step up. Like, I was having a big conversation about that today about some other things with football. Like, it's a big step up for these G5 guys to go to P5 and so on and so forth. And I understand it's a big step for Dante Moore, too. Uh, it's not, it's probably a bigger step for him going from high school up to college football. But the difference is, and this is no disrespect to Colin Schley, he's not in any bucket of talent that Dante Moore has. So, like, it's not any, I'm not trying to disrespect Colin Schley in that fact, but everybody talks about him in the CFF community like he's this absolute stud. He was not that great last year, guys. Like, he was good. He wasn't, he wasn't as good as, as Dustin Crum. He was not as good as Dustin Crum. That that's just my big like everybody kicks back on that. It's like, no, there's no way. Did you see what he did? I'm like, I, I mean, yeah, I saw he was okay. Like, it's not like he was great. And that's where I think the difference is, is that Dante Moore's ceiling is the penthouse where Colin Schlees is like the second floor of the Lincoln building or whatever. It, like, it's not, I'm sorry, they're just not in the same area codes, even. Like, it, and that's why to me it's not that outrageous to say Dante Moore could start and and play more games than Colin Schlee this year. The Lincoln building out here uh, catching strays. Um, I didn't know how big it was. I was trying to remember. Like, I, I kind of lost. Like, much like the recruiting game, my mind kind of just jumped. Happens every once in a while. I couldn't remember a very tall building somewhere. Well, well, Matthew, so. you you embarrassed us uh, in I that game. So, I just, I just want you to Not know that. Not the first time. Uh, so, and I'm sure there will be many <laughs> more to come. You mentioned uh, the freshman and supplemental draft guide. That is going to be coming out March 1st. We are trying to put the finishing touches on that. So be on the lookout. Uh, it was a lot of fun in year one being able to release the, the freshman and supplemental uh, supplemental draft guide and having the community respond to our rankings. Uh, I remember distinctly um, the community kind, kind of uh, – giving us some backlash for where we had Emmanuel Henderson, the consensus number one or number two running back of five star for Alabama, where we had him ranked, uh, you know, was not, was not very high in our rankings. And obviously he has since switched to wide receiver. So what, what backlash will we get this year? It's really a conversation piece. So uh, be on the lookout for the freshman and supplemental draft guide to help you with your freshman and supplemental drafts. Fan tracks should be opening. Uh, leagues up again, renewing leagues here soon. So you might be able to start getting those freshman drafts on the calendar. Of course, we appreciate you tuning in here tonight on Debbie Debate. If you're tuning in live, please drop us a like and then subscribe to the channel if you like what it is that we're doing, if you like the approach that we're taking towards growing college fantasy, campus to Canton leagues, then please subscribe to what we're doing here on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. We have a fantastic lineup with different focuses, uh, Chasing the Natty on Mondays, Campus Life on Tuesdays, Back to Debbie Wednesdays, Debbie Debate releases Wednesday night, Thursday morning, uh, Canton Bound on Fridays, and the official, the official, our uh, recruiting show drops on Saturday, but you can catch it during the week on YouTube, and subscribe to us on TikTok too, subscribe to us on TikTok too. 
We're going to talk to Noah Hills here. Noah just started his website, Noah More Parties. You can go to uh, his Twitter page at Noah More Parties on Twitter and click the link to the site. But before we do, uh, Austin, I do want to hit just one piece of news. I mean, we haven't gotten an opportunity to react to this, but the details uh, regarding Jaden Rashada's contract with uh, Florida were released. Obviously, this is the contract that was not executed or that this collective was not able to execute. And we've gotten to see some of the details. And I think it's just fascinating to see some of the numbers that were in this agreement. Do you have those in front of you? The numbers are shocking. Yeah. Uh, structure was different than I anticipated it being for some reason. I don't I don't know why uh, that is, but they they I don't know how they got their hands on this contract. But here is what this article in The Athletic said, and it was written by or contributed to by pretty much all the people uh, that kind of work there. Like a, a bunch of them kind of came together to write this piece. But here's here's what the article said. Rashad signed their NIL contract. It called for make sure that you're you're seated and, and you know, in, in good heart health before I you, you listen to this. If you're not fast forward eh, a minute, two minutes, five hundred thousand dollars up front which I believe he did receive and had to pay back is the rumor. After that, his payments would increase from 250,000 a month as a freshman to $291,666 and 66 cents a month as a sophomore to $375,000 a month as a junior rounded out with a $195,833 and 33 cent monthly payment as a senior. So long as he fulfilled the following obligations and, hold on because these are really really stringent challenging things here has to maintain residence in gainesville florida which you could argue is you know not the most fun thing in the world have at least one branded twitter post and one branded instagram post per month has to do up to eight fan engagement events per year and these could include in-person appearances social media engagements video conferences or interviews None would last longer than two hours because we don't want to tire the guy out. He is there to play football after all. And then autograph, and this is hilarious to me, autograph up to 15 pieces of memorabilia per year. Because, again, we do not want his throwing hand, which presumably is also his signing hand, to get too tired signing too much crap. So I'm glad we're capping it at $15 per year. We don't want to flood the market. I should also point out on that that uh, a pair of shoes – Counts as only one item. You cannot send two shoes counting as two items. That is also in the contract. Those very stipulated in that contract. Specifically? So it is specifically in there, yes. So if the contract. If kids are getting contracts like this, we are going to see more four-year players. Why would I go to the NFL when I'm making $250,000 a month in college? I, I don't know that his what they promised him as a senior is worth it if he's like actually legitimately yeah. a prospect. Like one hundred ninety five thousand dollars a month, I, you know, doing quick math is what like two million dollars a year. Like that's not that much in the grand scheme of things. If you're good, the, they they but, did make the point to say that the entirety of the contract was worth about as much as what Kenny Pickett is getting paid yeah. on his current deal. So I mean, over the course of the contract, sure, fair. But that contract is anticipating him jumping to the NFL after the third year, which it seems, which is why the lower payment in the senior year. If you get the Texas A&M collective or, you know, Michigan, that Michigan's got a lot of money, one of these schools with a lot of money, they'll I mean, they will be able to keep you in school just financially because they can pay. They may be able to pay you more than what definitely more than what you would get as a second round draft pick but maybe even more than what you would get as a first-round draft pick. And who said it on this very program like uh, 18 months ago? Your boy. Your boy said it, that they would be able to pay the same thing. We were, we were going to come to a time where you could make more in college than you would jumping to the NFL because the NFL has salary caps. Salary caps. I'm not ready to agree yeah. to that until I'm we see it happen once or twice. Because I'm telling – so here, here is my problem with what you and Chris Moxley keep getting on. There is no tangible benefit to the people paying this money to you beyond the fact that it's their favorite team and they want to see them win. Yeah, They're, They are getting nothing 
on the other, like the, the consideration in these contracts, like there, there is none. Like you just, we just read what the consideration is here, which is a legal principle in which both parties have to give something for a contract to be valid. It's called consideration. There, there's none of that here. Like, so I don't think you're going to have somebody paying $10 million a year writing that check. It might happen once, but it, I, there, there aren't that many people out there with pockets so deep that care that deeply about college football that are getting nothing beyond their personal satisfaction from watching their team win that they're so, going to commit that kind of money. Yeah. I'm with Austin on this, and I would really suggest, if you guys haven't, I, I think you have to have a subscription to The Athletic to read the whole thing. I'm not 100% sure. Um, if you don't have that, listen to The Audible. I listened to that this morning after reading the the article. This While this contract is real, they talked multiple times, and this was never going to happen. The money was never there. It was never going to happen. It was all fake. They brought up something that I've talked about on here, and I wish I had been on, I think it was last week when you guys talked and argued about one of this. I wasn't on the show that you guys argued about that Moxley and Felix one side, Austin on the other, where I was actually on Austin's side is the top schools are not doing, I know, I feel like we're always on opposite sides of the fence, so it was nice to be standing next to you arm and arm on that one. Uh these top schools are not paying the recruits that much. It's these teams that are trying to get back into the recruiting game. The Tennessees, the Miamis, the Texas A&M, while, you know, want to be back up there. Like, they're not Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. Those teams are not paying these top guys. In fact, most of the time, they're going in buying proven players through the transfer portal. I think that is where more of the money is going to go. Now, I have no doubt that, again, these lower-end teams may continue to pay highly for recruits. I do think, based on what happened with Rashada and a lot of the conversation they had again with a lot of people within college football, coaches, um, I don't not GMs, but the, the people around these programs, everything that happened with this Rashada thing is a very is a cautionary tale for how bad things can get. I think this woke a lot of people up to the fact that there are going to be some sort of regulations, whether it's the teams and schools doing it themselves without any NCAA or anything like that. Like I, I would, Felix, I, I see you shaking your head. I, I don't, I'm trying to think of a good bet to bet with you. No, I will. There's not going to be a recruit who's going to get paid as much as a first round pick in the NFL. It's just not going to happen. I don't think that's what Felix is saying. In fairness, but no, what I'm what I'm shaking my head at is is thinking that the Ohio States, Alabamas, USC's that they are not going to eventually get into the game to recruit these kids. I don't think that you can just wave the white flag and saying, "All right, we're just going to let Dante Moore go to UCLA." They're doing it, but they're not paying. Like Saban just said that he had the two kids come to him with cash demands, and he told him to go elsewhere. So I can I can speak from a knowledgeable point on, on Ohio State side of things. I'll just use Ohio State because I, I do talk to people there. Multiple of those wide receivers that they had were offered more money, and Ohio State said, we're not matching this amount. If you want to come to Ohio State, this is what we're willing to pay you. This is what we can do for your future. You make your decision. We won't hold it against you if you want to go to, say, this to a Miami who did try and offer one of those kids with a lot more money. You want to go to Miami. We will wish you the best, but we're not going to match this amount of money. Georgia does the same thing. Alabama does the same thing. They're not going to try and outbid these teams because they don't have to. Again, you look at the teams that are doing it and it's the teams that need the players and are trying to rebuild what they once were. Mr. Sharp. (laughs) What I'm saying is, is that as this evolves, Matthew, I understand that Ohio State, Alabama, that those schools are saying we don't have to pay you. We can still get Brandon Ennis and Noah Rogers, et cetera, to come to our school. As this evolves, that is not going to be the case. And I'm telling you that those schools are not just going to be able to say, oh, we're just going to recruit people from the transfer portal portal and, and, and pay proven players. If if it remains unregulated, and I don't see like the NCAA is going to fall apart here soon. I don't know where you're going to get regulation from and not violate antitrust law. That's another issue, um, which is why I don't think that there will be regulation. They are going to have to get recruit these kids as freshmen eventually. Yep, I get it. Nick Saban said, I'm not paying this kid. And Ohio State said, I'm not paying this kid. But you're going to end up losing out on Dylan Royola. You're going to end up losing out on some wide receiver recruit that you want because you said, you know, you weren't going to pay him. And Miami said that they would. Or, or, or you lose out on Luther Burden. 
that's all I'm saying is that we're still in the early stages of this. And I think that as we move forward, we're going to see those con those contract numbers get bigger and we're going to see all of the big players in college football get into the game. It's not just going to be Miami and Texas A&M. I understand that that's where we're at now, but I don't think that that's where, where, where we are going to be five, 10 years from now, if NIL continues as it is now. But I mean, I, I maybe I'm explaining my point wrong. It, it's not that Ohio state and Alabama and Georgia aren't willing to do that. They are They're They're willing to pay the wide receiver class from Ohio state is getting NIL money. All of those guys are, they're just saying, this is what we are willing to pay you. We're not going over that. If that means that they lose out on a recruiter to, okay, I really don't think that they're going to care. It didn't matter. Alabama locking up the number one class in the nation and telling guys, no, they said this, like, look, it's all you're worth what someone's willing to pay you. That's how the saying goes, right? If Alabama looks at Austin and Nace wide receiver says, this is what we're willing to pay you. And then Miami comes in and says, hey, Austin Nace, we don't have a great track record, track record of developing people in the NFL, but we're willing to pay you $10 million more than what Alabama is. It's up to Austin to decide what he wants to do. I think that's how the game is going to continue to be played. Now, maybe the money does increase over the years as more and more teams are willing to put more and more into it, but I don't think you're going to see these schools like, again, I'm using those schools specifically because they have specific track records of developing talents to go into the NFL. I do not think we're going to see the Ohio States, Alabama's, Georgia's, Michigan, even of the world come in and say, we're going to get in a bidding war for Dylan Rayola because he's the best quarterback and they will offer him what they do. And then if Nebraska comes in and says, we're going to pay you 18 mil a year, all those other schools, I guarantee you, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Have fun at Nebraska. We'll take this guy right here. Who's the fifth quarterback in the class and is willing to take the money that we have and maybe a decent step down from Dylan Rayola, but we'll still win with him. That's a dangerous game. I think that that's a dangerous game if you're a big-time program saying, all right, we're not going to pay you. If you want to remain at the top level in recruiting, I think eventually that you will have to pay. I understand that that is not what is happening now. I'm saying eventually we're going to get there because recruiting success, it builds on uh, builds on itself. So if you can continue to have recruiting it's going to be then it's going to be these teams with money that start getting rolling with with wins on the field. We got to get Noah Hills in here. Let's bring Noah in here. We've never had two guests. We never had two guests on a show. You can find Noah at Noah Moore Parties on Twitter. He is a contributor at uh, BDGE. You can find Noah Moore Parties on YouTube. Same name on TikTok, and now the same name on the World Wide Web, the Internet. Noah. Noah has joined the internet. Um, Noah, before we, and I'm, I, I am going to, you know, talk to you about why you started this project, but uh, uh, can you give me your general impressions? And I know that you are the running back guy. Give me your general impressions about this 2023 running back class. Hey, what's up? Uh, my general impressions are good. I think it's good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's good at the top. I think it's really deep. I think there's a really solid five in my opinion at the top. And then like a dozen to 15 more guys that are interesting. The reason I asked that question is because Twitter has had this narrative that, you know, it's Bijan Robinson and then a bunch of just dudes that is now, you know, what Twitter's and, 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 that these 2023 draft picks aren't worth what they were because the running back class is relatively weak. What's your response to that? I think the running back class is weaker than the people thought it was in 2021, but I don't think it's, it's weak or much weaker than relative to what it was perceived as relative to how other classes kind of depreciate in value as they get closer and kids go back to school and kids get hurt and have down years. Like, I don't think anything catastrophic happened in this class. The kids just played college careers. Some of them turned out to be really good. Others not as good as we thought when they were freshmen, but here they are now for the most part. And I think it's still a really good class. You can go to noahmoreparties.com get uh, Debbie running back rankings, rookie running back rankings, dynasty running back rankings. You can follow Noah 
at no more parties, wherever you basically get your fantasy football uh, content. Do you have a favorite uh, that you've scouted thus far? Favorite and least favorite? Zach Evans is either him or a chain are my favorite running backs in this class. They're incredibly fun to watch. Their numbers are good. They're just super fun, really good players, I think. And I think luckily for people who do like them, they both have detractors and and like, you know, legitimate things in their profiles that are going to cause them to maybe drop in the draft or drop in, in rookie drafts. But those are two of my favorite guys. Least favorite. I know that you hate Jameer Gibbs with the intensity of a thousand suns. So not, so not Jameer Gibbs. Uh, you can give me another running back that you, that you are not, that you don't particularly like in this class. Uh, I think relative, like based on what consensus has or what my perception of consensus is, I don't think consensus has completely crystallized yet. Tank Bigsby and Sean Tucker are two guys I'm going to be pretty low on. You can't just leave us with that. Oh, oh, should I, should I expand? Should I expand? Okay. <laughs> yeah, tell us why. Tell us okay, why. Uh, that's how this. Uh, okay. That's how we do this around here. Sean Tucker uh, simply does not have that dog in him. He, I, I don't want to say he's soft because I don't know that it's some sort of like personality trait of his, but I don't think he's he doesn't like like the size issues that people have with Jameer Gibbs and especially A Chain equally apply to Sean Tucker, even though he's not nearly as small as those guys, given the sort of power he runs with. He he breaks just as few tackles as those guys do. I don't, I don't know that he's like a, I think he's a decent zone runner and I think he's explosive. I don't think he's nearly the pass catcher that his reception totals and his target share would uh, belie. I think he's kind of a poor man's Travis Etienne, which isn't a bad thing, but I I think a lot of people view him as like just a Travis Etienne, and he's I don't think he's quite that. Uh for Tank Bigsby, he just hasn't been very good in the past couple of years. And I know there's been reasons for that. Bad offensive line, uh Brian Harson, that like that program's just been a joke. Uh maybe he was hurt as a sophomore, but he wasn't good last year either, really. Uh I don't, he breaks a lot of tackles. He's good in the open field. I think he's got good athletic tools. I think he's sort of like a Miles Sanders type guy, like if he, like at his peak, maybe. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm just not hoping for much more from Tank Bigsby than that. Talk to me about why you started the website in uh, that project. <laughs> yeah. Why did I start the website? I think I started the website because I just want to put out the content that I want to put out. And being beholden to somebody else's content schedule or uh, formatting requirements or, I don't know, seasonal topics wasn't something that I am particularly interested in, um, at least on a regular basis. And so doing something independent, I think, fit my my priorities. Um, so, yeah, it, it actually started as an idea for like a sort of like a draft guide, but like a comprehensive running back guide. <laughs> um, like a comprehensive running back guide about, you know, Debbie Dynasty, the, the, the rookie rookie class that I would sell as like a one-time product and sort of morphed into like a subscription-based website where I could just post year-round. So yeah, that's kind of the, the story of that. When I first started consuming your content, you took basically an analytical approach, and it was very digestible. I think that that's why I gravitated to reading your stuff. But your process has since evolved, and you're getting into film work. Talk to me about that evolution. Yeah, I think I think my analytical work was always – kind of like wannabe film work like I, I wasn't one of these there, there's lots of people doing analytical work on twitter and things like that who are training models and trying to like maximize r squared values of you know trying to find the most predictive metrics for like fantasy points per game in the nfl so there's a lot of work being done with like draft capital and 
speed scores and tar there's just a lot of let's boil things down to like these few variables that we can test really well and then spit out a number and i'm that's just not something i'm interested in i was much more focused on using numbers to try to understand players better um and i think the this kind of evolution i guess of now doing a lot of film work was born out of a desire to just be able to speak more intelligently about players in general. Um, but also I think the kind of film work I'm doing with a lot of charting of traits and grading decision-making processes on different plays and things like that. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the same sort of analytical stuff I was, I was doing. I'm just watching the the players play in order to generate the numbers if that makes sense you can find him on twitter at noah more parties um you're not as sassy as you used to be I, it used to be where uh i wasn't sure if you were serious about about stuff i'm like is noah serious this is a joke but now noah's just giving straightforward boring analysis about running backs and not uh not roasting fools out here I think that's true. I think I used to be a little bit more of a dick on Twitter and I don't know what happened. I don't know if I've just grown out of it. I, I think I have noticed Mature. that I have a lot of, just need to... yeah, yeah. I, I, there are a lot of accounts like the way that I was who I have blocked just or, or muted just because they're annoying. And so <laughs> I, I don't know if, I don't know what what the chicken or the egg was or which came first, but I I think I've kind of gone away from being an asshole on Twitter. I I also think something like in the last year, not, since I've been like really focusing on this stuff, I'm a little bit larger of a pre like I'm not big, but like I I don't just have like 600 followers anymore, so punching down on smaller accounts is kind of an asshole move. Where those same accounts a year ago like was punching up. So I, I can't be a dick anymore because I have, I don't know, it's perceived as asshole behavior even more. <laughs> no more parties on TikTok, no more parties on YouTube and now the interwebs, the worldwide webs. You can catch Noah Hills. Noah, we appreciate you uh, taking, taking some time out of your evening to join us tonight. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Later now. All right. Uh, uh, if you oh, guys good, are, watching this on youtube or if you're listening on the podcast the link to noah's website will be in the description for both so you guys don't even have to go search it just go click on the link there we go um this episode is all over the place tonight because we don't have this is not a guest but we do have one more more voice to hear from so if you are a longtime listener to uh debbie debate at one point chris moxley wasn't one of the panelists he was just, he would come on at the end of the show and tell us what we did wrong on the show. Barnabas Lee, uh, probably the most astute of our staff here at Campus to Canton, has asked to, to take that role, to take that role. And so, all right, Barnabas, uh, we're going to bring you on, and you can tell us uh, how we did tonight. How do we do? Uh, not too bad. I think it helped that there were a lot of guests on here. Um, and so That's maybe, uh, less, less, less space for you guys to make some mistakes. Although Felix, did I hear you say Kyle Kitley? Cause I'm confused who that is. Um, at one point, um, um, and you guys also talked about Baron Morton, which I do want to hear all your thoughts, quick thoughts on as well. Um, I also wanted to mention for, um, Matt's last player, Tyler Black. We also would have accepted 2015 Tennessee State cornerback Tyler Black as well. That was also an option, just so you know. Um, I know I know that was that one of the two you were going with, um, but yeah, that was the other one. So uh, if you had gone with the other one, you probably would have gotten it. Um, I wanted to mention uh, Austin bringing out the definition of a contract is one of them is consideration. And uh, I know a lot of America knows that because of uh, Mike Ross from Suits uh, fame, if you will. So um, with the bar napkin contract. Uh, so uh, that was an interesting one. Um, and I had some thoughts on NIL that I don't, I don't know if you guys are interested in or not, but uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> those, those yeah. So I think the biggest point with, uh, with the NIL stuff um, is, is really if, you know, 
kind of same thing that Noah was talking about, like boiling down to statistics here. If you boil it down, the NFL is going to see these uh, personality traits pop up right away, right? They're going to see whether a kid wants to win or uh, the kid just wants money, right? And that's that's fine at the college level, but uh, you know they're almost self-selecting into whether a school sees that like personality that they want, right? Whether it's like some of these guys, like for example, that came out of LSU recent in recent years, where the coaches were like, "We're just not going to talk about their personalities," right? Those select guy, that list is going to pop up, uh, you know, in terms of NIL deals now, and so it's like this self-selection thing, where I think it's going to be true of freshman deals, and then you're going to see a lot more NFL value coming from these transfer deals that are coming out in NIL. Um, so I, I do think those are different mechanisms, but uh, yeah, th- those are my thoughts there. Yeah, I love it. By the way, Barnabas, I had DM'd you. You missed one error, other error on tonight's show as well, which you have oh. no reason to know. Um, <laughs> about a year ago, we had seven guests on the show at one time to discuss whether it was weirder that Felix had never had oh, eggs yeah. or Matt had never had a salad. So we have had more than two guests or two or more guests on the show one night. I did have to toss that one out too. Okay. The so high drinks. That one. <laughs> the high drinks. The high drinks. The high drinks. We appreciate you, Barnabas. Uh, Barnabas will be back next week. Hey, stick around for the after show. If we haven't had enough people on the microphone today, Mike Valerie will be coming on for for the after show. Uh, but that's going to be our show for tonight. Apologies, Kirk Herbstreit. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning and Austin Ace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. <laughs>